0: Welcome back to Cross the Line, presented by Barstool Scurs, who is currently suspended on Twitter right now. Woohoo. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> now, congrats to uh the rest of the Barstool Scurs fam for getting us suspended. It had to happen once. Oh
1: yeah, we we gotta get some street cred yeah. going.
0: You need to everyone needs to overcome a little bit of adversity in their <laughs> lives at some point. Um, But back to Cross the Line, this is Season 2, Episode 15, and folks, we got a pretty exciting episode coming your way. Um, We're going to do some listener questions for the first time this season. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the NAIA National Championship coming up. Uh, We're going to talk about the conference championship games a little bit. Um, We're going to keep you updated on all of the coaching carousel that's happening right now, which it's a lot actually
1: yeah, a really it, a ton <laughs> it
0: seemed like kind of a down year but I mean we took up probably 15 to 20 minutes last week talking about everything that happened and I got another whole couple paragraphs of what's happened since then
1: oh yeah you, you started filling that out and I was like oh god like we have yeah. a lot to talk about yeah this is
0: like Looking at the rundown, this is all stuff we have not talked about yet. So Yeah, that's so a lot. there's actually a lot going on right now. And there weren't any like big like blue blood jobs really open this year, no. but a lot of jobs and a lot of people getting promoted. We'll get into that later, though. Yep. So coaching carousel, I'm actually very thrilled about it. It's actually really exciting. Um, and then after that, we have Muhammad Berry round two. Uh, he came in studio this time, so we didn't have to worry about any of the audio quality issues um that we had over the phone which is fantastic um to nobody's surprise mo did another great interview yep
1: exactly <laughs> so yeah
0: he he's always been pretty good in front of a camera, um, in front of a microphone. So we were excited to have him back on the show once again. Um, then, after that, uh, believe it or not, we're going to talk about the bull games. We're not going to be picking them yet.
1: Nope. we got to wait, see if there's any injuries and what yep. the lines do. And but... see
0: who is and isn't playing because exactly. that's important. A lot of people sit out these bull games. I don't it... think anyone forgets that. No. Um, <laughs> I like to say people forget that, but people don't forget that because it's like one of the most talked about things this time of year. Exactly. Just people yep. sitting out bull games. Yep. If you're not in the playoffs, really <laughs> upset about it (laughs) um yeah and then after that we're gonna talk a little bit about navy army because that's the one game we are picking this week so yeah it's officially navy army week and that's that's exciting because it gets its own weekend all by itself
1: that's i'm so glad that they do it that way though uh absolutely all right
0: let's get into the show okay perfect so like we said we're gonna start off with some listener questions i need to pull these up on my phone really quick Okay, so I think it was on, what day was that? Was that Tuesday? Um, uh, yeah, I think yeah, Monday or Tuesday. Monday or Tuesday. We sent out a tweet um, letting people know to DM or just respond to that tweet with certain discussion topics that they wanted, to, wanted us to talk about um, or if they had any questions they wanted to ask us. And we got a few responses, and we're taking some of the best ones. So the first one comes from Tony at Tony Uh He asks if the committee got the playoffs right um, and then he also wants us to talk about some low-key notable bull games but here's the thing we're going to talk about all the bull games so that okay, won't so be an don't issue. even worry about yes. it yes <laughs> but Tony we are going to talk about whether the playoff committee got their picks right Jake I'm gonna let you start
1: I say yes uh, I am fully in with what they did uh, I think Georgia had their shot at the champ, so I, I was good with them not making it. Ohio State, you lost by thirty to Purdue. I've been saying that all season. You can't. I that sucks, but you got to win those games, or at least if you're going to lose them, make sure it's competitive. Oklahoma showed up. They've beat everyone on their schedule now, so I mean it's basically like having four undefeated teams, and not really, but. It, I am completely in. I think the top three spots were pretty locked in that that was who it was going to be.
0: Yeah. Um, I agree. I am very happy with the selection they had. Um, my one kind of issue is that it does seem kind of hypocritical because I really do think Georgia is obviously one of the four best teams in the country. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. It's just you cannot take away from teams that really didn't do anything wrong. Exactly. And Georgia lost two games. That's doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, You can't put them in over a team who avenged their only loss and three teams that went undefeated. You just can't do it. That's how it is. So um, I I do think they got them right. Um, Ohio State, I guess, had a little bit of a shout, but um, I just think Oklahoma did – what they did was more impressive and i think oklahoma versus alabama is like one of the best games that we could possibly get to see
1: and i think a lot of it was probably that matchup like yeah. i mean like if you're looking at it you're like okay which one of these I've games is going to be way more fun for a while <laughs>
0: yeah. i i as soon as i kind of started realizing that this was a real possibility i really really wanted oklahoma alabama it's, there's going to be points
1: oh yeah i uh, seeing tua and kyler murray going at each other that's those like two are, of plays exactly. I, they're saying he's out for two weeks, yeah. maybe. So I, I'm I'm not too concerned, but uh, yeah, maybe he, ju- I mean, they do have a month. Yeah. So yeah. It, we're talking about this now and things could change yes. drastically oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> um one big issue though is hollywood marquise brown oklahoma star wide receiver did i think break his foot yep in the championship so i
1: remember watching that because he came off the field and he looked like he was gonna try to walk on it and he started walking and he was grimacing and i was like that's a broken foot for that
0: sure. is yeah. a huge loss for those that haven't watched a lot of oklahoma football this year that is an absolutely massive loss. He is
1: he's their best receiver. Yeah,
0: either he him or CD Lamb. I mean, it's kind of like a JDC and yeah, yeah. Stanley Morgan situation like they have really really great receivers that all feed off each other but uh Hollywood Brown is he he was kind of the highlight guy. He was kind of the one that I feel like gets it really going. Um so that is going to be a big detriment to that Oklahoma offense, but I mean, they've been scoring on everybody. Yeah. So I, mean. I I don't know. We'll see what happens.
1: I, I think any team that has Kyler Murray as their quarterback uh, should be okay when it comes to putting up points. Yeah.
0: Okay, so moving on, Garrett Howitt at How 10 asks, will Luke McCaffrey be the number two quarterback or will he turn receiver? So I'm just going to start. I already had to clap at somebody on Twitter. I don't know yep. if people saw it um, about this topic. Basically, the context was – um, this guy was saying that it was basically pointless for Luke McCaffrey to come to Nebraska because we have Adrian Martinez, and that is just such a terrible take. It makes no sense, yeah. honestly. But yeah, I don't. I don't want to get into that anymore. Um, my thoughts are already on the internet about that particular subject. But so, Luke McCaffrey, do we think he will stay at quarterback or transition to receiver? Um, I think he's quarterback. Yeah, I I think he is. I think that's what the staff has basically told him Um, when it comes to guys that can kind of do a little bit of everything in high school when they're getting recruited. It's generally very specifically laid out like what the plan is for them in this scheme, whether that be offense or defense. Where do we see you fitting in? Um, Where do we think you will be the best fit for us? And so I from everything I've heard, it was that you are going to come in and be a quarterback. And so yeah that's, yeah,
1: that's what I've been hearing, too. I mean, yes, he has the athletic ability. He could go play wide receiver or whatever. And I think that's something that they could look at two years down the road, three years down the road, if, you know, there is a situation where, you know, he's not going to start. I think it's almost impossible to not get that kid on the field. And I think him sitting behind Adrian and learning and he'll still have two years and i mean for all we know adrian could go pro after his junior year and he could have three years you know what i mean so yeah.
0: um so uh a more specific part of his question was if he thinks luke mccaffrey will be the number two um i think he's gonna redshirt next yeah. season yeah um i th- know that the staff thinks very highly of noah Vedral. Um, So whether or not, I mean, we didn't see a great game from Noah Vedrill in the one sample size we got, but that's not going to completely entirely form my opinion of him. So, um, yeah, so I think Noah Vedrill will be our backup quarterback next season and Luke McCaffrey will rightly redshirt. Um, And that's not going to be an issue with a McCaffrey brother from what I've seen. Um, His older brother is currently a backup at Michigan right now. Um, so I, I mean, I don't think there's going to be any transferring the, you know, second you realize you're not a day one starter type situation.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, uh, putting him in, I mean, you get four games until you have to redshirt. I think it's a great opportunity this next year. Uh, if we can get up early on some of these, you know, not great teams and we get to see Noah and Luke play a little bit and still be able to redshirt Luke. I think it's important that we're going to try to get him game experience next year. I mean why don't you, you can't not take advantage of that, especially with how it is now. Uh, so I think he, we'll see him on the field and we probably will get at least a game of, you know, maybe the fourth quarter, some, you know, sloppy time, but we'll we'll get to see him and see what he can do. I think Noah will be that second string guy though for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, and it's really exciting though um, to see that we have our quarterback, obviously that we got our quarterback in this past class with Adrian. Uh, We have Luke McCaffrey coming in next season for the 2019 class. And we actually already have our commit for 2020 as well in Logan Smothers. So we're pretty much set at quarterback.
1: And that's great. Great teams recruit a good quarterback every year. Every single class.
0: You absolutely have to. Um, So moving on, our next question comes from Tate at uh, Tate Kine or Keen. I'm sorry, man. I do not know how to pronounce your last name. That's okay. Um, But (laughs) – he wants us to talk a little bit about recruiting just in general, um, some of targets and successes. So I am personally someone who does not follow recruiting like as hardcore as I know a lot of people do. But I do have a good idea of what's going on just by – I always kind of know who's committed, um, what position they play – and then I just take all of the news that Nate Klaus throws at me. Exactly.
1: And it's Nate's Twitter is where yep, I get my recruiting. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um. So, any about anything that I say about recruiting mostly comes from a source that um. I trust a yes, lot, Yes, Yeah, that I trust, and I know does a really good job. Um. So one thing we can talk about while we're on recruiting, though, Wendell Robinson today flipped from Kentucky to Nebraska. And uh it kinda made the entire Nebraska fan base look kinda stupid, I must say.
1: Uh what I, I didn't see this on Twitter. I I was So yeah.
0: Wendell was basically he called Scott the night before he committed to Kentucky and said, I'm all in, like I'm coming to Nebraska and then obviously he decided to switch and a bunch of rumors were going around and Nebraska's Twitter just went completely off and all of our fans were saying how um Kentucky made an offer he couldn't refuse, and we're all accusing him of accepting money, essentially, and all this stuff. Yeah. And then all of that just for him to turn around and actually commit to Nebraska and say he wanted to be committed to Nebraska the whole time. So good job, Nebraska Twitter.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's just how it goes. Uh, whenever you see a recruit or someone tweet, at Nebraska Twitter will be there to embarrass us. That's just how it works. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, so... Another note on recruiting, I guess, is that running back is also looking really good. Um, basically, we have Ronald Tompkins coming in, who's a really good three-star. Um, and the same goes for Amir Johnson. So, we essentially, when you add in Wendell Robinson on there, that's pretty much three running backs, even though Wendell can kind of play receiver as well. Yeah. So, um, that's a pretty stacked class, and I don't think we're going to have to worry about skill positions for a while.
1: Exactly. And I mean... With Mo as the only like true running back we have coming back, it's. I mean, we're gonna see these guys on the field. I think a lot this year. Uh, I mean, I'm sure some guys will make uh, their steps in summer camp and stuff. And uh, I know Wayne De- or Windell's coming uh, in January. Right? Yep, early and early. Okay, so yeah, he'll get some extra time to work out with the team, and I think we'll have a pretty good idea at our running back rotation. I mean. I think, obviously, Moe's going to be probably be the guy, but yeah. I think these guys are all going to at least get some time at the beginning of the year and see who's the most productive on the field.
0: All right, so moving on, um, this is kind of a listener question, kind of not, um, but we are going to talk about the NAIA championship a little bit. So Jake and I currently live with somebody who is a former NAIA all-star at Morningside University, <laughs> and he wanted us to talk about how Morningside has made it to the national championship so this game it will feature morningside taking on benedictine college from kansas uh, and this is going to happen on december 15th
1: uh well uh what i know about morningside is what zach has told me so uh seven straight conference championships uh Made it to the semifinals, but never win the big one. So.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, it sounds like seven straight conference championships, two of which Zach was on the roster for.
1: Hey, he's got those rings. <laughs> hey, he does.
0: I've seen them. They look good. And uh, But, yeah, like you said, they have made it to the semifinals or to the championship game in five out of the last seven years, but have not won a natty in that
1: time. That's, I mean. Is this their year? I, I'm going yes, uh, and the only reason I'm going yes is my childhood neighbor, Chase Nelson, plays a skill position there, receiver, running back, or something, and uh, he's going to have a big game. That's I, I don't know much about Morningside, but I know him. So It's that's
0: all about pick. connections, baby. Exactly. <laughs> because Jake knew a guy who plays a certain <laughs> position at a certain school. We're going with Morningside to win. Um, I'm going with Morningside to win because I think it's finally time they get over that hump and win that natty, and... Um, after doing a little research, I found out that in the very first round of the NAIA playoffs, Benedictine College, uh, they had to go to double overtime with University of the Cumberlands out of Kentucky um and one and a nail biter forty eight forty one and, and if you're trying to go all the way you don't want to be having double overtime thrillers in round one I think they're going to be a little fatigued
1: that's uh that's like the NCAA tournament when you see one of those like one or two seeds have a tough game and you're yep. like oh like how good are they you yep. know
0: <laughs> exactly so yeah that is our listener questions for the week I, that went a lot longer than I thought it was going to yeah
1: I mean but that's that's a good thing i guess i suppose
0: so all right let's get on to the weekend recap we do this every week we talk about all of the games that happened and inform you on some of the things that you might have missed so jake let's hear what you got
1: uh so first off i picked memphis to uh win the conference us or not conference usa AAC uh championship
0: power six baby
1: yeah okay uh They looked like they were going to win it for half the game. And then uh, UCF, a lot of talent on that roster, even without McKenzie Milton. They were able to come back in the second half. Uh, Good for them. That's good for uh, that entire fan base. They just lost a guy who really was the face of the program for a couple years. So uh, good for them. Washington, Utah, the most boring conference championship game of all time.
0: Very, very good chance, and there was nobody there. Yeah, oh, that's... it drew like the third worst ratings out of all conferences, not pow- like power conferences out of all conferences. Uh, so terrible TV ratings, and it the was stadium like, was empty. Yeah, it was estimated there was like maybe like twenty thousand people there, if that.
1: That's so bad. So, yeah,
0: uh, the Pac-12 has some serious work to do.
1: Well, that's what you get for playing a conference championship on a Friday night. Like, come on, you're a Power 5 school. Let Conference USA go play that game on Friday night. Yeah, like, that, let the boys play. Yeah, All right, so uh, next game we're going to talk about uh, OU Texas. Uh, We said earlier OU avenged that one loss they had to Texas in the Red River rivalry uh, earlier this year, or Red River Showdown, whatever they call it. Shootout. Shootout. Uh, Yeah, so OU really kind of, I'm not going to say they hammered Texas, but they they beat Texas pretty solidly, and they proved that they are the better team.
0: Yeah, Texas came out of the gates looking really good um, at the beginning. And I, it kind of got to the point where I was a little worried for Oklahoma through like the first quarter, but the way they closed out the first half, especially when they yep. went and let a touchdown drive in like – 20 some seconds i think it ended up taking um i just kind of knew um
1: that that was the the swing point in that game where you're like oh texas might actually do this and then no
0: and so when i saw that and all the momentum it switched uh kind of switched back over to oklahoma i was pretty confident they were going to see out that game and they did it wasn't really ever that nerve-wracking at the end after that
1: no not not at all
0: Um, So, moving on, we had Ohio State versus Northwestern and Clemson versus Pitt. uh, Pitt. Those were both games that happened.
1: Yes, and they ended exactly like we expected. (laughs) Yes. Uh,
0: Clemson covered the 28-point spread in a conference championship game. That's so incredible. (laughs) (laughs) This year sucks. Yeah. (laughs) This year of college football sucks. There's absolutely no parody.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. (sighs) You have, like. Three, well, I'll say two really, really dominant teams. And then you have like also ranked in the top 25, you have a nine or eight and four Iowa State who almost lost to Drake.
1: Yep. And it's made no sense. The top has been so heavy this year that it's just, it's made everything else look just weird. Yeah. All right. So uh, then we're going to talk about Drake almost beat Iowa State. Uh, Good for them. Uh, Shout out to Tristan uh next Appalachian State won the Sun Belt uh their head coach got hired away almost immediately after yeah
0: well we will get into that for sure yeah um, but I was happy to see Appalachian State win um as somebody who watched them kind of grow go through the ranks and come up from FCS and to be this successful right away I mean it's it's been a crazy story that we're not going to see happen I don't think for quite a while yep. um it seems like the trend almost is leaning towards more teams dropping down to FCS rather than working themselves up and then becoming a success story. So I'm going to always be kind of partial to Appalachian State, especially since the Michigan thing happened like in our childhood.
1: Yep. And I mean, that's that's all it takes to like vault a college football program into relevance is. They came in, they beat the number five team in the country. And now, I mean, you can't not talk about Appalachian State when you're talking about, you know, pretty decent G5 programs. So good for them.
0: All right, moving on to the Mountain West. Fresno State got Boise State finally. Um, so Boise State beat them earlier this year, uh, and they beat them in the conference championship last year. And the way the Mountain West does it, um, same as a few of the other smaller conferences, they don't have a neutral site for the conference championship. So that meant Fresno State had to win this conference championship on the road, on the blue turf, and in some snow in Idaho. Yeah. So, I I mean, it was a really fun game to watch. Um, It was finally a Fresno State game that didn't start at almost 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, (laughs) you didn't have to stay up until 2.30 in the morning to watch the whole thing. Um, So I, I really enjoyed that quite a bit. It was probably my second favorite game of the day, I would say. Yeah, um,
1: good for them. In overtime, big one. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so it, it's, it's got to be nice um, for a team like that that just kind of, when Boise State has your number for that long, and everyone's number, really. In Especially the in the West, Northwest, yeah. yeah um, that was really cool to see.
1: Uh, and then last of all, UAB won the Conference USA two years after uh, coming back from not having a football program anymore yeah
0: this is a really fitting way to end our weekend recap um that is incredible um and this will actually just tie right into our coaching carousel talk which is where we're heading right now um bill clark head coach at uab um he is officially staying at uab he got paid
1: that's good i mean good for him yeah he
0: has done a remarkable job um, taking that team from non-existent to winning a conference championship in two years—I mean, that's just unheard of. Uh,
1: yep, and he deserves all the money that he's making. Uh,
0: Absolutely, the roster turnover that happened with all that and everything—it just—it did not seem. I mean, everyone was assuming like this is a complete and total rebuild, and oh, it yeah. really wasn't.
1: Nope, uh, he's done a great job. Uh, more on the coaching carousel. Uh, yeah. Chris Chris Ash is still at at Rutgers, 1-11.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Went 1-11 this year. Um, he has a $10 million buyout, so I think at Rutgers that's probably good enough reason to keep him around for another exactly.
1: year. They're like, okay, yeah, well, we're not going to spend that much money on our football program. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: so now I think the best way to do this is just go through and really quick list everything that happened, and then we'll backtrack and just... Say a little bit of something about each one. Uh, Maybe a little bit more about the ones we find more interesting. Um, So Turner Gill retired at liberty. Sad. Um, Yes, Bill Snyder retired. Which, wow. Yeah. I mean.
1: He's, what, 117, so it makes sense, but Um, uh, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, so uh, Matt Wells has been hired at Texas Tech, the former head coach at Utah State. Jim McElwain to Central Michigan. Ooh. (laughs) Um, Scott Satterfield, uh, who we talked about a little bit earlier, Appalachian State head coach, brought him up through the FCS ranks. He is on his way to Louisville. Um Mike Houston from James Madison is going to Eastern Carolina. Will Healy from Austin how do you pronounce that? Is it Austin, Austin? Pay. Is it just Pay? I okay. think so. Um, he's on his way to Charlotte. Um notice a trend there that it was three FCS coaches in a row. Getting big boy jobs this year. I love to see that. All those guys are getting paid so much more.
1: Exactly. Good for them. Yeah.
0: Um, Ryan Day, offensive coordinator at Ohio State, signs a five-year deal to replace Urban as the head coach. And Mike Loxley, Alabama offensive coordinator, is on his way to Maryland. And last but not least, Mel Tucker, defensive coordinator at Georgia, on his way to Colorado for head coach. All right. So back at the top, Turner Gill retired. Um, from head coach at Liberty this was either today or yesterday or two days ago can't remember um, exactly but very yeah. very recently and his press conference was very very sad
1: yeah uh he's a really good guy he's in Nebraska great so you know that's that connection but yeah that press conference you I just watched a two-minute clip of it before this and yeah it, it, he was very emotional and he he really cared about that football program so it's you know sad but I mean when you're trying to spend more time with your family, trying to, you know, grow as a person. That's just kind of how it works.
0: Absolutely. Um, So Bill Snyder retiring um, this it's weird because after the year that they had and just, it just all kind of seemed like this was coming, but it's still surprising because I mean, he has been the coach at Kansas state. Like that is
1: there's that gap with Ron Prince for a little yeah. bit and then like two seasons. Yeah. And then back to Bill. Yeah.
0: Just, I, I don't know. I can't, I feel like, I don't know, my college football childhood just lost a major piece of it. Yeah. I, I mean,
1: Bill Snyder field at Bill Mor- St- Snyder Memorial stadium on Bill Snyder way yep. is never going to be the same. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. But I mean, he's gotten all of the accolades and all the respect a man could ever want. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Good for Bill. I mean, right off into the sunset. Um, Moving on, Matt Wells at Texas Tech. I don't have a ton to offer here. Um, He was good at Utah State. Yeah. That's one thing that we do know. Um, A lot of Texas Tech fans weren't too happy about it. Um, I don't know enough about the situation to personally weigh in on it. Um, So, Jim McElwain to Central Michigan. Now, this one is interesting. Yeah. Jim McElwain won the SEC East twice as head coach.
1: Yeah, and now he's coaching in the MAC.
0: At Central Michigan. I think they're going to be good. I think uh, this yep. is a good hire.
1: I think for Central Michigan, this is as good of a hire as they could ever like hope to get. Jim McIlwain's not a bad football coach. He just couldn't win against Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and all those guys in the SEC, which, I mean, no one can. So Yeah, it's,
0: that's a tough task for sure. Um, so, yeah, then we talked about the three different FCS coaches um, getting new jobs in um, FBS. So that's really exciting because... FCS schools, for the most part, really don't pay that well for all of the effort that head coaching a college football team requires. And so to see guys that have been putting in the work and grinding really hard and doing really well um, at these FCS programs, it's really cool to kind of see them basically get that promotion, you can almost call it, and really get paid, because a lot of people don't feel bad for coaches in any capacity, and I, I don't know, I just kind of do personally, and i from everything i've seen and it's no joke like being a head coach at a college like football program takes like 90 to 100 hours a week of your time and if you're not getting compensated really well for it i mean that's got to be a tough life
1: yeah and i mean that's they work their way up and good for them i mean i know eastern carolina and charlotte aren't necessarily uh the best programs in the world, but they're pay- I bet they're paying them oh, pretty yeah. well. Otherwise, and,
0: they wouldn't have left what they built if yep, they weren't
1: getting paid. Exactly.
0: Um, but, yeah, Scott Satterfield to Louisville. That's a very, very interesting thing. I think they could be good.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. It'll I mean, take a while. Yeah, it,
0: Petrino left the program in shambles. Yeah,
1: it was a hot mess. That That's a... That's not how you want yeah. to come into a place. That's a lot why.
0: of roster turnover, a lot of guys transferring and the two and 10 season.
1: Yeah. not Oof. fun. What, what did they lose to Clemson by 77 to 10? Oh, yeah. Something? I, I like, mean, it was atrocious. Oh my God. Uh, next Ryan day, any feelings on that in, in house hire?
0: <sighs> I mean, it, I think it had to have been the move that they pursued. I mean, it was really just the right thing to do. I think, um, who are you going to hire outside the program that's going to make a bigger splash or kind of mold over the loss of losing Urban Meyer? I mean, I think you got to stay in-house here.
1: Yep. I mean, it it only makes sense. Yeah, so. and it,
0: it'll help keep the recruiting classes together, um, which is kind of the backbone of Ohio State football. Yep. So um, I think it was a good move. I'm interested to see how it turns out. I honestly think the best Ohio State football we've seen this year, minus the Michigan game, obviously, was when Ryan Day was head coach. Yeah. Um, he didn't end up playing any really tough games. The toughest one they played was TCU. TCU and TCU was not great this
1: yeah, year. Yeah,
0: but here's the thing. Ohio State struggled with not-so-great teams throughout the rest of the season after that, and he really didn't struggle at all in those games. So, so yeah, I, I mean, he has some experience, and – he's been in that system for a while so
1: yeah I I think he'll be he'll be fine there yeah unfortunately yeah uh Mike Loxley to Maryland uh biggest thing about him he has like a 3 and 31 head coaching record all time yeah uh
0: that is a very bad head coaching record uh so basically he's been one of those guys that's been all over the place in the coaching ranks um but when he initially became a head coach, it was at New Mexico. New, yeah, it was at New Mexico, where he went one and eleven in his first season, one and eleven in his second season, and then in his third season he had um, scandals going on about uh, what was it, sexual discrimination, yeah, I think, yep, yep. and yeah, a bunch, and even more things on top of that. I don't, I don't even know the whole situation. Um, and I don't then, pay attention to New Mexico yeah. football that and much. And then in his third season, after starting a combined uh, two and twenty-two, I think he got fired after starting zero and four.
1: So yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that
0: doesn't add up to three and thirty-one. He was a interim head coach at, at Maryland,
1: Maryland for yeah, a while. So There's one. Um, yeah.
0: So I don't know. I've seen a lot of outpouring support from like people like Scott Van Pelt, who went to Maryland and thinks this is a good hire, um, and a lot of other people are saying this is a good hire. But a lot of Maryland fans are not, and I mean, I guess with that track record, you can kind of understand. But I don't know anyone that's coached under Saban. That's and,
1: exactly yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: he he has the blueprint now, and it's just whether or not he can go apply it, like yeah. um, Kirby Smart has done. So we'll see. Know. It's interesting. I I cannot offer more than that. I have no idea how this is going to turn out. Absolutely none. It wouldn't surprise me if Maryland got good. It wouldn't surprise me if they were terrible. I I genuinely don't know what's going to happen.
1: Yep, we'll find out next year. All
0: right, right. and last but not least, Mel Tucker, Alabama defensive coordinator, or Georgia defensive coordinator, sorry, on his way to Colorado. And I'm upset because this was a really, really good hire. That was a good hire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a very good hire. Mel Tucker, he was kind of all over the place, um, but he's had a really, really impressive track record everywhere he's gone. He's been a D coordinator in the NFL um, before coming back to college, and then he's obviously done really good things at Georgia. Yeah, their
1: defense has been pretty good the last couple of years.
0: And I I don't know, I think it's time that Colorado gets like a real identity. Um, I feel like that's something they've missed recently, is they were just kind of like okay and slack yep. ass at everything and all you see from Colorado fans on Twitter and stuff is about how they just have a loaded roster with all this talent and but they just have not really been great at offense, at defense, at really anything. Nope. So um it's time for an identity and I think if they you know sell out for defense I think that can translate pretty well into the Pac-12 I honestly do
1: yeah I think I think it'll work well for him uh so that is our wrap up on the coaching carousel so now we're going to get into that Mohamed Barry interview uh a lot of fun got to talk to him for a little over 20 minutes so uh with no further ado here's Mo Berry. The guest of the week is brought to you by Rexius Nutrition of Lincoln. Rexius Nutrition has been a supplement leader in Lincoln for over 10 years. They can help you from anything from putting on weight, uh, losing weight, just getting healthier in general. All of their staff. Staff is very uh, informed on what they are doing. And uh, for being a listener of this podcast, you can save 10% on your checkout, your entire purchase, by using the code BARSTOOL. Uh, It's located at 31st and 0 in Lincoln. Go check them out.
0: We now welcome on a very special guest. He was the leading tackler for the University of Nebraska. He was robbed of getting all big ten first team honors. And he is our first player on the ro- or he's
2: our favorite player on the roster, Muhammad Barry. Mo, how's it going? It's going well. You know, just came from a team event. Um glad to be here.
1: Uh so first off, happy belated birthday. Uh <laughs> what have you been up to since the season's ended?
2: Um just uh honestly just uh going back uh on, on watching the games. Uh to Colorado to um Iowa, just evaluating myself um then uh just um hot tub and cold tub and rehabbing and uh just getting ready to get back with coach uh, Duvall. so as you mentioned you just got out of
0: a team function before this um what exactly did that entail and what is what has this coaching staff told you about what this offseason is gonna look like
2: uh well we went it was basically some like of um of our banquet i guess uh we went somewhere in Omaha. I honestly forgot the place. Uh, yeah, we went uh, bowling, uh, ate a dinner. Um, you know, uh, just had fun. It was like an arcade area too, and um, just the off season. Honestly, it's like even in the winter right now, we focus on getting you know bigger and stronger, um, upping our team size and strength, and that's the most important thing right now. So you mentioned growth and the guys getting bigger. Is it possible for your biceps to get any bigger? Yeah, actually, I <laughs> want them to get bigger. Uh, I want to get, I want to gain uh, um, seven pounds of that, uh, and see how how that feels. Uh, and then, you know, with that, you got to do a lot of stretching to make sure your mobility is the same. And um, yeah, that's. Uh, I think I could get bigger biceps, get bigger up there. So I will. I will try. I like uh, to hear that.
1: So you were uh talking about when you came in that you're a little sore from uh yeah. duval workout. Yeah. Uh what does have those workouts been like so far this off season? I know mm. it's only been a week and a half, but uh what have those been like and how do they compare to last year, uh, when that staff came in and started uh doing that training mm. program?
2: Well, I mean, first you're familiar with the staff and uh uh, his workouts are never, I guess, uh, familiar because, <laughs> uh, I don't know, they always shock shocks your system. And today I felt like, okay, you know, metabolic, I've been there, done that. And then, uh, no, I didn't feel like that. It felt like it was the first time ever. <laughs> so uh, that's and that's why I enjoy I love the challenge he um, gives to us. Uh, so um, it's just better because you know the coaches, you know that um, they're – their um philosophy works you've seen the results um and you know that we could get better you know that the weight room um uh, kind, of, kind of played, uh, well, not kind of, played a huge role in our season also. So knowing the importance of the weight room, everyone knowing the importance and understanding that we have to attack the weight room. So uh, I think that's it's just knowing that it's a bigger goal and you see how the weight room has um, correlated into our uh, season. And I think that's the biggest thing that uh, everyone understands that, not just a um, few people understanding that. So, you've gotten to play multiple games against
0: Urban Meyer at Ohio State, and big news today, it was just announced that he's stepping down after this season. Do you think he ultimately decided to retire this year after realizing how great Nebraska's going to be (laughs)
2: under Coach Frost? I hope so. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, we gave them a lot to handle. Uh, That game right there, I think, uh, really boosted uh, our morale. And I think in in everything – you know, that game meant a lot to us as players cause, um that's I, I think ever since I've been there is the first time I really felt that um we we had something special, you know, coming. We had like something really special, um, coming for this team, for a Nebraska team. So, um, I hope so. Uh he's a great coach, like I said, um before in past com- past um uh, you know talks with the media that um you know I watched him play since Florida uh his Florida teams and um uh, he's a good coach and um you know football college football is gonna miss him
1: uh yeah so sticking with college football news a little bit Damian jo- or Damian Daniel's brother Darian uh announced that he's joining the team from Oklahoma State this next year uh what do you know about him and what do you think he can potentially do for this defense
2: uh, I don't know a lot about him, but if, I, I know he's. Uh, I saw I seen uh, a picture of him and seen that how how big he is and mature he is. So that's we need that we need um you know a lot of bodies and and that 3 4 um you know that line interior line we do need big big bodies so to have him there um when I meet him uh see how he plays and everything uh I'm sure he's going to contribute a lot uh, contribute to us like uh, contribute to this team this year so let's get into this past season a
0: little bit more so the last time we had you on the show Nebraska was 0-6, and, and you were getting ready to play Minnesota. You told us that you had the best week of practice that week and that off-air, you didn't want to say it on-air, which is smart, that we were definitely going to win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to say that I fully believed you after you said that mm-hmm. um, and knew we were going to win. But anyways, overall, how would you rate how the last six weeks of the game or games of the season went since we last talked to you?
2: Um, I would say uh, like, I felt like the team um, came into games believing that we will win. Firmly believing, um, we felt like we should have won, won that Northwestern game, and uh, we lost it ourselves. Um, and I'm just not blowing smoke up, up our team. Um, but in the end of the day, we all, everyone who watched the game, seen that we had the the game won, and you know we lost it. Um, so you know every game, I just felt like every all, all my teammates um, had it had it in their mind that we will win every game after that Um, you know of course we didn't but every game was competitive to the very end and um, that Minnesota game I had no doubt in my mind and my teammates had no doubt in their mind that we would have won that game that's why I said that um, our week preparation was spot-on our coaches were spot-on staff members it was a lot of confidence uh, brewing that week and we knew we would win that game
1: Uh, so Talking about this season as a whole, uh, what was your favorite memory from this past season, uh, just on or off the field?
2: I would say that Michigan State game. Uh, you know, it was the fourth quarter and the snow was, uh, you know, just dropping. And it just it just felt like that, you know, 06 Madden game, I think, uh, when it had, I don't know, it had like, Adam Vinatieri um, oh, yeah. kicking the um, kicking the ball and what, what was it uh, versus the Raiders I think I don't mm-hmm. know or it was the 04 I don't know yeah. and Tom Brady with the Patriots uh just being in that moment um looking into the backfield uh, through the guard center into the um um the running back and just seeing the snow just drop down it was just a beautiful scene um I honestly lived for that I never thought I would like see that type of moment but it was just uh, surreal to me and um, after winning, just you know, engaging the um, student section, um, you know, making snow angels or whatnot, it's just uh, <laughs> it just clowning with the boys. It, it was a great feeling to uh, win a, a, a game, not just um, you know any old game, just a defensive dominant performance uh, for my for my um, for my defense to do that for you know our team to win that game. It was just great.
1: Yeah, that was a lot of fun to watch on TV. Snow games on TV mm-hmm. are so much fun. Yeah,
2: I had a
0: feeling you were going to say that your favorite was the biggest defensive game we had. That that was yeah. a lot of fun for sure. Um, so staying on the same plan, who are you going to miss the most from the senior class?
2: Um, I'll miss a lot. Uh, I'll miss uh, uh, Stanley. I'll miss uh, uh, Gifford, of course. Um, I'll miss Mick. I'll miss uh, a lot of faces that I've seen. Um, you know, they um, sacrificed a lot, like um, like Coach Frost alluded to a lot of times. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of them, even gifts, been there for me uh, at my lowest times, uh, at times that, you know, I might have uh, self-doubt. And, um, you know, to see them, uh, you know, go on to future endeavors and accomplish things uh, it will be great. And I hope uh, we make them proud next
1: year. Uh, so you finished with 112 tackles this season, the most for a Husker since Levante David. Mm-hmm. Uh did you expect to have that big of an impact on the field this year?
2: Um I I honestly wasn't ever um you know chasing stats. I knew um 100 plus tackles was the you know, I guess um criteria for uh elite linebackers and uh, you know when I stepped on campus my freshman year I always wanted that um, it's a great accomplishment but um, I, I would take all them tackles back if we was in the Big Ten Championship at the end of the day I felt um, like uh, I still have a lot to um, prove a lot to do on the field uh and most importantly um plays that uh impact my team either positive that made me happy or the negative that won negative plays I made that uh you know still haunt me today um that's the biggest that's the most important thing is making those plays that really matter making those plays that uh um help your teammates and um put them in the best uh, put the team in the best position to win so um that's my vocal that's my vocal point for next year just to be sound in every in every um you know part of my game and uh to be consistent at that.
0: So that was a very MVP like answer um which also speaking of MVPs you were just awarded with the defensive MVP award for the season. Uh what was that moment like for you and how did it compare to receiving your black
2: shirt? Um it it felt good it just uh, uh I'm honored to get that um Accolade from from my coaches um um I'm happy that they feel that way to feel that way about me and um uh just to to be honest uh like I said I, I if I was in the Big 10 championship if we were in the Big 10 championship that's the most important uh self accolades are good but it's um only better when um our team accolades are up there um so you know it felt good uh, the black, the black shirt means the most to me because uh, that allows me to be in the brotherhood uh, with great players, uh, and great minds, uh, great men. Um, so none, none, whoever, uh, compared to receiving uh, my black shirt in a personal level.
1: Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about next year, uh, since that's what's coming up. Uh, Trey Neal. Mentioned in an interview that next season Nebraska football is going to take off, and we should be really excited. Do you feel the same way?
2: Oh, certainly I do. Um, There's no question of that. I think we know the formula to win. We experience we experience we experience um, some downfalls. We experience, uh, you know, I, I I guess some moments of, uh, you know, if if you don't follow the process, what it, what it would look like. Uh, you know going 0 and 6 it shows you a lot about um buying in and and um you know uh, fundamentals you know doing your job doing your assignment and things like that um looking from our zero, 0 and 6 start to how we ended out the season uh it just uh it just we look like a totally different team and even that Michigan game to the Michigan State game is just totally different team. So we know the formula. We have a lot of players um uh, returning and they will improve, I will improve and um you know, it's only we will be a way better team next year and uh you know, like I said, that Big 10 championship is what we strive for.
1: Uh so you mentioned some guys coming back. Uh you guys have a lot coming back that are, there's a lot of talent uh who are some young guys that you really think will step up next year that you're excited to play alongside?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um Cam Taylor. I think he will really be a vital part of um our defense next year. Uh he has playmaking ability uh and uh he he doesn't fear any big moments. Um you know uh our coach always talks about and preaches uh, no filler, fear of failure and um he came into, you know, our program with no fear of failure at any time. <laughs> And I would say, you know, Caleb, Caleb Tanner, he's going to be a great player for us, honestly. Um, of course, Maurice, uh, I'm excited to see how big he, how big he gets from um, now to um, September. And um, you know, a few guys that I, I'm probably not saying, but I know. For fact that we'll get better and um be a wider part next year
0: so at nebraska you always have a lot of extremely optimistic fans uh, i've already seen people talking about winning 10 games next season looking at future schedules stuff like that do you feel like having a fan base with really high expectations adds pressure to you and the team
2: um uh, well pressure creates you know what i mean uh, you must have a, um, a fan base that, uh, you know, believes in greatness um, in all of us, uh, in the team, um, staff, um, it it puts pressure. And for me, pressure has always allowed me to, uh, you know, improve. Without pressure, I feel like uh, many of um, my, uh, you know, small accomplishments uh, wouldn't have been achieved, you know. Um, Pressure from competition, pressure from the fans, pressure from expectations. Uh, that's what you know. Great programs are made of, and they you know our fans have seen the greatness of uh, Nebraska, and um, like I said, our longing for it for its return. So we have to give them what they want.
1: Uh, so, with recruiting coming up this off season, uh, national signing days coming up, everything like that. Uh, there's a lot of recruits that visit campus, and as one of those leaders, do you get the opportunity to talk to a lot of those recruits when they uh, come and visit?
2: Oh yeah, um uh, I have a few um uh opportunities. Sometimes I host, I volunteer to host. Um anytime I can, I just uh tell them what our plan is and if I'm talking to a defensive player, you know, i tell them that um you know, you know, come with me, come with us, um uh, be a part of this uh, um this great program and let's let's do it, you know what I mean? Uh I'm extremely optimistic and uh you know, I hope every recruit we get could be a great player. Um, So that's why I just tell them I meet their families, uh, get to know them and, um, you know, start showing them the ropes right when it's recruiting, you know, uh, telling them what will be tolerated and what won't be um, tolerated and what to expect from me and others when they come to this um, program.
0: So looking ahead to next season, are there any specific games that you have circled on your schedule going into next year or is
2: it just strictly one game at a time for you? It's every game matters. You know, I wanna win every game as uh, my teammates do also and my coaches. So I, I just we can't sleep on no no team, you know. Um every every team we face is a capable team, um, to beat us. You know what I mean? Uh this is college football and everyone's working out, everyone has winter um, have a uh, summer conditioning, and um, everyone has spring ball. So every t- everyone's playing to um, beat each other. And um, at the end of the day, you got to take it one game at a time. So at, at the end, at the end of the season, we only looking at Ws. So you got to play high school ball with
0: Robert Camdiche, who was the top recruit in the country his senior year and is now playing in the NFL. What was that like, and did it
2: help you elevate your game when you played to somebody of that caliber? Oh yeah, uh, I remember just coming to Grayson, uh, coming to spring practice, and it was just like amazing. Um, seeing uh, Robert Candice, uh seeing Wayne Gallman, who's a running back for uh, the New York Giants right now, uh, seeing Ryan Carter, who was in the who's playing for the Bills. Just seeing a lot of them guys, they just. They were just, they were elite players, you know what I mean, in high school form. And Robert Condici looked like a creative player when he was, <laughs> <laughs> when he was, when he was running. And you see this man, he's like, you know, like six five or two eighty five, uh, you know, thick frame, just running with knees going to his chest. I was like, "What in the world?" <laughs> <laughs> I remember just thinking that. Uh, but it was it was fascinating. But when I went coming from you know the Stocktonet program to the Grayson program, uh, it just uh, it made me so much hungry. Uh, I'm so thankful that that I made that move because um, uh, my desire was to go from that freshman group and you know when coach con um moved me to you know the uh, varsity group it was it was just crazy you know i was i was hungry to try to embarrass them every time cuz <laughs> i was i was playing running back so you know trying to embarrass robert uh, and Autumn, them uh, that's what you know i was trying to do every time so yeah
1: uh So the Omaha World Herald uh, this summer did a really good article about you uh, and your upbringing and mentioned that you lived in Africa before Mm -hmm. going to elementary school here in America. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you remember from your time there and what was that like?
2: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a long time ago. Uh, I forgot a lot of things, but, you know, I always just think about, for me, uh, me playing um, outside. And um, that's the biggest thing. Me, just moments with my grandma, you know, who who passed away uh, in May. Um, you know, just that's the moments I really think about. Uh, and just like just few dreams and stuff. But uh, I always think about specific moments uh, uh, with me interacting with my um, grandmother or me playing outside.
0: Have you been back to Africa since then?
2: Uh, no, and that's when I graduate. That's going to be the first thing I do. Uh,
1: so. In Africa, you grew up speaking French, Creole, and Arabic. Uh, Do you still speak any of those languages?
2: Um, So Arabic was because I was in Islamic school uh, learning the Quran. And, you know, they first um, start you out with the alphabets and, you know, uh, pronouncing words and things like that. And then you go into reading the um, scriptures. Uh, So, you know, I read, I know, a little bit of that still. Um, uh, Fula is the main language, which is the tribal language that I know the most. Um, you know, French is the first one I dropped coming into the States 'cause so we um spoke that very um, fewly uh in the house. Um so yeah, Creole uh, a little bit. Um but mostly I've been, have been haven't been sharp like I need to be and my mom always get me on that. So I'm uh, when I go back home, I'm going to try to just speak my tribal languages. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that's I that's super cool that you know that many like knew that many languages and stuff. That's really uh, interesting. So uh it was also noted in that article uh, that you really don't like Wisconsin. Is that still true?
2: Um. Yes. Yeah, you know, just personal level. Yes, I don't like <laughs> them. Uh, just because uh, you know, coming from my recruiting days, uh, it's just some that I've, you know, always thought about. Uh, you know, I I still want to have my greatest uh, college performance uh, versus them for many reasons. Uh, but uh, just, you know, a lot of things. Uh, I know people is in the papers, you know, mm. and um, uh, so everyone knows what happened there. So and, uh, that would be the reason why. It's all. We also hate Wisconsin.
1: So yeah, so it's it was, all good. we just wanted to confirm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so we're gonna go a little bit deeper into Muhammad Barry the person. So on one arm, you have a lot of tattoos, and each one represents something about you and your past. And the other one is still bare, waiting to be covered with your future. Mm-hmm. Can you give a short description of what each tattoo means to you for those that might not know? Um, so
2: I mean, it's in the paper, but. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, I would say I would start with eye um, of the tiger and uh, family. I have a family um, ridden um, by, like, my upper um, forearm um, in red, so it stands out from the rest because, you know, I love my family. I love people that's close to me. I always keep my um, my circle small because I, I've learned to trust very few, but I always have good intentions on the people that I don't, you know, know or trust um uh but in the end of the day i really have a a small circle uh i love my mother i love you know like i said like my family and everything and the eye of the tiger you know is just a passion that you know i approach with uh everything and um you know everyone i love you know uh i i would do i will do anything in my power to make someone i love happy and i will just like i've done um for this program Everything in my power to make, to please my coaches and my teammates and the fans. And um, it's just that that's the approach I have with every day. Um, and uh, that's that's the biggest two tattoos. Uh, the anchor, you know, on my like lower, on my upper wrist, I would say. Uh, that means I will hold it down, stay consistent. Uh, I have that, uh, the dove on my upper shoulder Um, which signifies um, below that is uh, stairs going into God's hands, which means uh, just follow the the path that God has set forward for us and, and, you know, good things will happen. Um, And then that's really it. um, You know, the the roses, I have my mother's name uh, tatted on me because, again, she's the most important person in my life. uh, And she's done so much for me that I would, you know, never repay. But I just try to make her happy um, every day.
1: Well, uh, Mo, it was great to get to know you more as a person. Uh, It just makes me want to cheer for you more on the (laughs) field. Uh, You've been so fun to watch this entire year. Uh, It was exciting to watch you get excited on big plays (laughs) and uh, really get the defense behind you. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to come up here and do this interview with us. Uh, It was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, Corey, do you have anything else? Go Big Red.
2: Hey, go Big Red. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, we just want to thank Mo again for coming on. Um, It's always a good time when we get to talk to Mo. He always has a lot of good answers. Um, He's a funny guy as well. Yeah, he is. All right, so moving on, we are going to talk about the bull games a tiny, tiny bit. We're going to pick these bull games on next week next week's episode, so don't miss that um, for all of your bull mania groups and for when you you know if you want to bet on a lot of these games. Next week's episode is where you want to be, but for this week, we are going to list all of them, kind of decide whether we think they're interesting or not. Um just kind of give you an idea of what all of what basically is happening in all these bull games because I'm sure not all of you have every bowl game matchup memorized right now.
1: Yeah. So yeah, we'll do that and then next week we'll actually get into detail for yeah. a lot of these games. So. Okay.
0: So uh we are going to start we're gonna go from December fifteenth, which is the first day of bowl games, um, up to the twentieth. So the New Mexico Bull is North Texas, who is nine and three, taking on Utah State, um, who's ten and two. The Keir Bull is Tulane, who's six and six against Louisiana, who's seven and six. Um, the Las Vegas Bull is seven and five Arizona State versus eleven and two Fresno State. Um, the Camellia Bull, I think, is how it's pronounced, played in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, Eastern Michigan seven and five against th- nine and three Georgia Southern. Um, 10 and two Appalachian state versus eight and five middle Tennessee state in the new Orleans bowl. Um, so those are all the games on the 15th, moving on to the 18th. There's one game. It's the Boca Raton bowl of 10 and three UAB versus eight and five Northern Illinois. And then on the 19th, it's the Frisco bowl, which is obviously in Frisco, um, eight and four Ohio versus seven and five San Diego state. All right. So in that list. Let's start with the New Mexico Bowl. I think this one's actually pretty interesting. Um a 9 and 3 North Texas and 10 and 2 Utah State. Both teams that are pretty good for the G5.
1: Yeah, uh I the New Mexico Bowl is my one of my favorite bowl games of the year cuz generally it's the bowl that kicks off everything for bowl season. It's the one I always have to sit down and watch cuz it's always a good matchup and this year is no exception. Utah State had a great year, uh played Wisconsin all the way to the wire uh North Texas nine and three. That's a great record. Uh, I don't know a ton about these teams, but I think this game, uh, after you know looking into it a little bit more, is going to be a great matchup.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, North Texas slings the ball all over the field. Um, their head coach Seth Luttrell is being rumored as a possible replacement for Bill Snyder at Kansas State. It sounds like he's the favorite for that. Actually, um, and Utah State, who just lost their coach, um, has been a really well a really good defensive team all year. So. High-powered offense versus good defense in the G five definitely a good matchup. Um, the Cure Bowl between Tulane and Louisiana um, next probably.
1: Yep, Fresno State, Arizona State in uh, the Las Vegas Bowl. That interesting. It a is lot. very
0: interesting. I love seeing these matchups between like pretty good G five teams against like pretty much slack ass Power Five teams. Exactly. Um, it's always fun to just kind of see um,
1: where that level is. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Um so the Camellia Bull, seven and five Eastern Michigan, nine and three Georgia Southern, um Skip. Uh, the New Orleans Bull, Appalachian State, Middle Tennessee State.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think Appalachian State's probably the favorite, but Middle yeah, Tennessee easily. State's never that bad of a team. So. No,
0: they're not bad. Um they took UAB to the wire in that conference championship game. Uh, and speaking of UAB, um, they're ten and three against Northern Illinois, eight and five Mac Champs um
1: versus uh conference usa champs
0: yeah so interesting
1: yeah oh yeah i think this will be a lot of fun uh you're not going to know most of the players on the field, and you know, it's not going to matter in the long run to you. But if you want to watch a good football game, I think this is going to be a really good one.
0: Yeah, these are two teams that both have pretty decent squads, um, for a G5 team. So this one is pretty mildly interesting, at least. Definitely better than like Tulane, Louisiana. That's yep, for, sure. for sure. Um, Frisco Bull, Ohio versus San Diego State. Um, yeah, 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 I mean,
1: Franklin, yeah. yeah,
0: I mean, if it's on and there's nothing else, like, you might as well watch it. I mean, it's on it. a Wednesday, yeah, yes, so yeah. Okay, so next round, let's do from December twentieth to December twenty sixth. So we got the Gasparilla Bowl, um, eight and four Marshall against seven and five South Florida. Um, December twenty first is the Bahamas Bowl, Toledo and FIU. The Bahamas Bowl is a fantastic bowl. That's game. so cool, yeah. Um, the Idaho Potato Bowl also on the twenty first, um, six and six BYU versus seven and five Western Michigan. December twenty second, Birmingham Bowl. Six and six Wake Forest versus eight and five Memphis. Uh, also on the twenty second is the Armed Forces Bowl nine and two Army versus eight and four Houston. Uh, also on the twenty second Dollar General Bowl Buffalo Troy. Also on the twenty second uh, Hawaii Bowl which is Hawaii versus Louisiana Tech. Um, first Responder Bowl on the twenty sixth uh, Boston College versus Boise State. Uh, also on the 26th, the Quick Lane Bull Minnesota versus Georgia Tech and the Cheez-It Bull featuring TCU and Cal.
1: Uh, so the ones that stuck out to me in that one, uh, Memphis Wake Forest, that's a lot of fun just because good G5 school. I mean, Memphis is, you know, second.
0: Memphis is going to slap them. Re- I, 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 that's what I think personally. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that's one of the reasons why I'm interested in it is just because I want to see if... Um, that level, I mean, it doesn't really matter in bowl games. You can't uh, – what people like to do a lot of the time is watch one bowl game between, you know, one team from one conference and then one team from another, and then this conference is infinitely better than the other one because of the result of this yeah. game, and that's not how it works. Um, but I I think it kind of helps give – the AAC a little bit of credibility, especially if Memphis goes in and just wipes the floor with Wake Forest, which I I personally kind of think that'll happen, but we'll talk about that more next week, obviously um
1: bahamas bowl uh that's interesting just because of how poorly run the bahamas bowl is (laughs) and that is fantastic uh great reddit thread from last year about a guy who just like snuck in and went into the locker room yeah and
0: there was just absolutely no security like the security was there but it like was just kind of part of the fans at that point they were
1: bringing in cases of beer to the stadium and nobody stopped them it like i really want to go to the bahamas Bowl at some point in my life
0: we should we definitely have to yeah um so on other games in the slate minnesota georgia tech and the quick lane bull um that's you know something i, I
1: mean is it paul johnson's last game yep so, so that, that's
0: a reason to watch it for sure
1: boston college boise state's not bad
0: no that's really not a bad matchup at all i definitely comparatively um out of the games in this slate i think that's going to be very interesting um and then really that's it for the rest of that
1: yeah i mean tcu and cal whatever I feel bad for Hawaii. They always end up playing in their home stadium for a bowl game. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Move on to the next ones, I guess. Yeah,
0: so this is going to be a pretty big slate of games. We'll go from December 27th all the way through New Year's Eve. So we got the Independence Bowl, Temple, and Duke. The Pinstripe Bowl, Miami, Wisconsin. uh, The Texas Bowl, Baylor, Vanderbilt. The Music City Bowl, Auburn, Purdue. Camping World Bowl, West Virginia, Syracuse. Alamo Bowl, Iowa State, Washington State. Belk Bowl, South Carolina, Virginia. Arizona Bowl, Nevada, Arkansas State. Military Bowl, Cincinnati versus Virginia Tech. Uh, Red Box Bowl, Michigan State versus Oregon. Uh, Liberty Bowl, Missouri versus Oklahoma State. God, there's so many games. Sun Bowl, <laughs> <Yeah>. Stanford Pitt. <laughs> yep. Um, Tax Slayer Bowl, Texas A&M, NC State. Holiday Bowl, Northwestern Utah. Okay. Woo. Ooh. Okay, <laughs> so back to the 27th Um, Temple versus Duke, you know, I, you know, rate that like a six out of 10, maybe Miami, Um,
1: Wisconsin's kind of fun just because I mean, did they play last year? in the bowl game yes yeah so it's Um, like
0: turnover chain my effing ass according (laughs) to uh paul christ which is one of the greatest things i've ever seen uh when they won this matchup last year much different game
1: yeah
0: (laughs) Uh, last year it was a new Year's six bowl this year it's the pinstripe bowl between two seven and five teams so play in new
1: york in (laughs) december so (laughs) it is (laughs) yeah
0: it is the disappointment and crushed expectations bowl um Six and six Baylor versus six and six Vanderbilt. That's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, I think. In the Texas Bowl, it's literally just called the Texas Bowl. I think that's kind of dumb. Uh, Music City Bowl: Seven and five Auburn, six and six Purdue. Um, Another disappointment bowl, but also a very intriguing game. I think this is a very exciting matchup.
1: I think this is a really good chance for Jeff Brom to show that. Hey, like, yeah, our record didn't show it this year, but if he can get Auburn, people will be like, okay, yeah, yeah." like that's a pretty good year. Yeah,
0: definitely uh west virginia syracuse also an interesting game
1: lots of points
0: yeah a lot of points um so that's in the camping world bowl on the 28th um eight and three versus nine and three yeah I mean, yep. I'd say that's a pretty good game uh also on the 28th alma bowl um which is the uh, iowa state washington state matchup i like this one a lot i do too <laughs> i really like this game um offense versus defense
1: yep and i I want to see how Washington State responds because uh, they were really hunting for that uh, Rose Bowl berth. And I want to see how motivated they are going into this game.
0: Yeah, it'll be a really interesting game. Um, this is a pretty big game as far as, you know, Iowa State's program is concerned, too. Um, they haven't been up, you know, eight and four playing on December 28th bowl games in a while. Nope. So um, that's definitely a step up. And, you know, under Matt Campbell, they're looking to do even better. So this could be a really good statement win for them. Yeah um south carolina virginia yeah eh, yeah nevada arkansas state no uh cincinnati virginia tech um i honestly think cincinnati probably wins that one big yeah. so i'm not too interested in that uh michigan state oregon eh. i think that's
1: a, i mean that's it's fine it's yeah like, it's very <laughs> exactly. uh, lackluster yes it's fine
0: exactly <laughs> seven and five michigan state eight and four oregon um another two teams that were supposed to be a lot better than they were. Well, I guess Oregon not necessarily. Oregon was more of a we don't think they're going to be that great this year and then it was like, "Oh, wow, they're actually pretty good this year." And then it was like, "Oh, oh wait, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, they're not like, that good." <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, first-year head coach, um you can't expect the world out of them. Um Missouri Oklahoma State on also on New Year's Eve just like the last two games we mentioned, um
1: that's an interesting.
0: I'm I'm very – Oklahoma State is probably the best 6-6 six and six team in the country. Oh,
1: yeah, 100%. Yeah.
0: Um, they've knocked off a lot of really good teams and just kind of had some head-scratching weeks. Um, and Missouri's hot right now at 8-4, and four, and they had a really good year as well.
1: And um, they just got a really big transfer.
0: Yeah, that they did. Um, that was actually really cool to see. Kelly so, Bryant, yeah. yeah going Kelly down. Bryant, former Clemson quarterback, on his way to Missouri to replace Drew Locke. Um, and I'm really excited about that. I think he's going to fit into that offense pretty well, and it's a lot better than when he was rumored to be going to Arkansas because Arkansas sucks. Yeah, yeah. they're two and ten.
1: Uh, Stanford Pitt. I only want to bring this one up because it's at the Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas. Yes, and that stadium is so
0: cool. It's like literally in a mountain.
1: It's like built into the mountain. If you're not interested in this game, turn it on for five minutes and wait for them to show a full crowd shot and just check out that stadium, and then you'll want to go to the Sun Bowl at some point in your life. So. Yeah, that's all I had to say on that one. Yes, that's
0: also another New Year's Eve game. Um, Texas A&M and NC State, tax Layer Bowl, I think that's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I think A&M will get it done. but Yeah, yeah
0: Northwestern-Utah is an interesting matchup, which is going to produce a close game, but I'm not going to say it's, it's going gonna be to be a good game. Exactly, it's not going to be <laughs> the most
1: exciting thing you watch all year. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. All right, so now we're going to get into 2019. So... Uh, on January first, we have uh, at noon on ESPN two Mississippi State eight and four versus eight and four Iowa, defense 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 once again. That'll be a very slow game as well. Yep. Um, but an interesting one nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. Um, also on New Year's Day we have nine and three Kentucky versus nine and three Penn State. Um, also an interesting one. Yeah,
1: I, I think this is a team or a game where it matches up teams that. Uh, looked really good for a while this year and then kind of fell into the meatier part of their schedules and yeah Penn State wasn't going to win the Big Ten Kentucky wasn't going to win the SEC and so I think this is a good matchup uh especially for the SEC and Big Ten
0: yeah Penn State had another sneaky really good season um I think everyone just kind of discredited everything they did all year when they lost 42 to 7 to Michigan and I mean let's let's get that right I mean that was a bad bad loss but uh, Michigan did that to a lot of teams and Penn State, you know, outside of that game went nine and two and one of those losses was a heartbreaker to Ohio State. So, so yeah. they really had another really good season. Um I they're just just a little too far away from being like a really really elite program and it sucks that they will next year they won't have trace mcsorley or saquon barkley
1: yep so eh, we'll figure <laughs>
0: that out yeah i mean obviously they don't have saquon this year but, but like that was still. a that was a whole other team last year yeah okay so um december 29th we're backtracking because this game fell under the radar somehow um the peach bowl 10 and 2 michigan 9-3 florida Pretty interesting game. I don't think Florida is going to be able to score a lot on Michigan.
1: Nope. I, I. This is a matchup of two teams with pretty good defenses, and Michigan has the real offense of the two. I, yeah. I, I think uh, Michigan will get this done pretty yes. handily. Uh,
0: Rose Bowl, Ohio State and Washington. RIP to Washington. Yep, That's all sorry. I'm going to say. Yep. Um, Fiesta Bowl, 12-0 UCF, 9-3 and LSU. Very interesting matchup.
1: I think this is about as interesting as it could get. I really wanted to see UCF play Georgia. I really wanted them to just get walloped by Georgia and then everybody could just shut up. But this LSU team presents a lot of challenges for UCF, especially uh, on defense. LSU is so good this year. Uh, I want to see if this UCF offense, yeah, I mean, they don't have McKenzie Milton and that sucks for them. But I want to see if this offense is as fast as they said. And I mean, they did beat Auburn last year and yeah we'll see
0: i think they're gonna score um i you know even without Mackenzie milton they still put up a ton of points last week um but i don't know i i think they'll score um that's pretty much all i can really say about that and lsu's offense hasn't been that good so if it turns into a track meet i mean
1: it's gonna be bad for lsu yeah
0: it, so i mean there's there's that. definitely an interesting aspect to that game um the sugar bowl nine and four texas eleven and two georgia I think Texas is going to get swamped. Oh, it's going to be bad. I okay. think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we're in agreement on that. And then the playoff, we talked about that already, but not the games. Well, we talked about Alabama, Oklahoma matchup, but Clemson, Notre Dame. Uh, Clemson opened up as like a 10 or so or 14, it was 10
1: or 11, favorite. yeah, Yeah. Some, yeah.
0: Um, interesting. You know, just because it's you know the playoffs, it's but in, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you uh, don't expect you, that. You you hope that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. A lot of people are thinking Clemson's going to win big. Who knows. Um, so yeah that was the bull slate
1: yeah so I mean uh next week we'll actually get pretty deep into the games that matter we're probably not going to get deep into like South Carolina Virginia but I mean we'll talk about all those big games that we were talking about uh a little bit here a little bit more yep all right well uh that is our show for this week uh make sure to follow us on Twitter uh Make sure to rally your support behind Barstool Scurs on Twitter and get them back. <laughs> get them back in the Twitter sphere. Free um, Barstool Scurs. Uh, but uh that's it for me. Anything from you, Corey?
2: Go be good.